Welcome to another episode of the Untitled Podcast. Let's discuss the temptations. What you are about to hear is deeply disturbing. The group is composed of David Ruffin, Paul, Big Paul, Melvin, who is more or less the spokesman of the group, Eddie, and finally in the group we have Otis, who started together with Melvin in the very beginning of their careers in the same group. The Upper Deck is proud to present The Temptations! introduced ourselves to you musically and now we would like to introduce ourselves to you personally I'm Paul Williams I'm Dennis Edwards I'm Otis Williams I'm Eddie Kendricks And I'm Melvin Franklin. Everyone with ears enjoys Motown music from the 60s. There are countless classic hits from The Supremes, The Four Tops, The Miracles, The Jackson 5, Marvin Gaye, the list goes on and on and on. But in my opinion, The Temptations are up there with the very best. The reasons I feel this way are many. There's precision in their presentation. They even had a four-pronged microphone stand that allowed the group to perform their moves and had the ability to move around and change lead singers super easy. And yet they were staying on point with the harmonies the whole time, dressed sharp. Notice I haven't even gotten into the music yet. You know their hits. They've been in your brain well before you knew who they were, but I'm here for the temptations after soul music gave birth to funk and rock music gave birth to psychedelia. Say it loud. No matter how hard you try, you can stop me now. 
And as you know, I'm an avid fan of drugs and drug music, hence my psychedelic fetish. I'm just kidding. Say no to drugs, kids. But what we are talking about is Motown on acid. And as the title of this episode implies, I'm going to stick to the psychedelic era of the group that was partly influenced by drugs, the Times, the Beatles, Sly Stone, where Marvin Gaye was headed, and especially Motown house producer Norman Whitfield. In fact, I could have given him top billing for this episode because his fingerprints are on every track you're going to hear. Norman Whitfield wrote, arranged, and produced songs that went from short, simple, and poppy to long, more thoughtful, complex explorations in jazz, funk, psychedelic music. He's worked with a number of artists, but the temptations were something he was made for. People moving out, people moving in, why? Because of the color of the skin. Run, 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 but you sure can't hide. And I bought out a tooth for a tooth, both for me, and I'll set you free. Rap on, brother, rap on. Well, the only person talking about love, and brother, is the preacher. And it seems nobody's interested in learning. But the teacher Segregation, determination, demonstration, integration Aggravation, humiliation, obligation to my nation Let's do a quick overview up to when this podcast will get into full swing. There are a number of inaccuracies, myths, and disagreements about the group's history. There's an interesting HBO movie, it was like a miniseries, and it does a pretty fair job of telling the story despite some inaccuracies, but I highly recommend it. It's a really damn good biopic and very entertaining. It's fun to see all the songs, if nothing else, being performed, and the actors really pull it off well. Motown Records was established by Barry Gordy, and he had a very interesting way to nurture his talent. Uh, There was nothing bigger in Detroit back in the late 60s than the manufacturer of automobiles, and Barry kind of manufactured hits like an assembly line. Motown artists were taught to sing, dance, and even learn manners and social interaction before they were dressed nicely and sent out touring to support the songs written for them. You went into the Motown machine, a street kid, and you came out a polished Legend. Legend. 
and this is how the temps got started. They got into Motown, they learned their trade, and they were, you know, they put through the steps, and they were a kind of act that would draw full houses everywhere they went. opinion is they did a hell of a lot to bring people together, just as most of the Motown acts did. And like a hell of a lot of bands, when the money came, the drama came. Since then, there's been like 20 members come and go, and these guys were all singers. You go through drummers like tampons, but you don't want to switch singers midstream. Whoever said success makes you the person you really are, must have had David in mind. Because he started to become someone none of us recognized. I'm the one selling the records. They coming to see me. They coming to see the temptations. Ain't nobody coming to see you, Otis. You wish you could work it the way I do. But you can't. Because there is only one David Ruffin. David Ruffin was the first to go from the classic five lineup. And it amazes me that they were able to find anyone to take his place. Ruffin was a bad motherfucker. Listen to this and listen to the power in his voice. This is I Know I'm Losing You. Enter my man, Dennis Edwards, and this is where this particular journey begins. See, I maintain that no other group, aside from the Beatles, navigated the changes in music in the late 60s better than Temptations. I mean, here you have the Temptations with a major loss that they overcame, and they still changed the plot. America's feel-good quintet with their hits, My Girl, Ain't Too Proud to Bag, The Way You Do the Things You Do, and Since I Lost My Baby, was evolving into something much closer to the real world. One wonders if War and Peace would have been as highly acclaimed as it was had it been published under its original title, War, What Is It Good For? So it's 1968, and against the odds, The Temptations, with a new lead singer, have a number one hit. 
and went on to win the Grammy that year. It was also a first for Motown to have gotten a number one single with the Grammy. The song was Cloud Nine, written by Norman Whitfield and Barrett Strong. Mm, listen, my father didn't know the meaning of words. Dun, 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 dun. He disrespected mama and treated us dun, like dun, dun, dun. I left home seeking a job that I never did find. Dun, 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 dun. Depressed and downhearted, I took the cloud and I'm doing fine up here on cloud and listen one more time. I'm doing fine up here on cloud and it was the first Temptation song to challenge your audience with this new sound. So you can imagine if you're used to My Girl and all of a sudden you get Psychedelic Shack, it's quite a change and not many years in between those. I'd read in Otis Williams' book, his story is that Norman thought that Sly and the Family Stone were a passing phase and that the music was just silly. But Sly kept coming out with the hits, and next thing you know, Norman was introducing wah-wah pedals, and the songs were getting longer. Keep up this front. Plastic, plastic. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. 
like Sly and the Family Stone, he started using all five singers to trade lead, and this would become a, a trademark of uh, most of their songs that were hits going forward. You didn't have just a lead singer and four dudes in the background anymore. He must be the Joneses, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you what, this ah, people gather around me, who it may concern. I'm not trying to run your life, but you never do hold a little. Stop worrying about your neighbors and the best that they think got. Cause if you do, you'll find a you're gonna wind up on the spot. One cool thing when they went on stage was they had this special microphone stand built that had four places to hold mics and that way the temps could really do their moves and not be too far away from a microphone based on where they were on the stage. This added to the precision of the kind of steps that they were doing and being able to belt those songs out. With Dennis Edwards singing, the Temptations were able to go have more depth and character and topical subjects about politics or social norms. And the songs changed from boy meets girl to boy gets fucked over by the world. Dennis Edwards' voice is very raw, and I mean raw. Technically, I'd say that David Ruffin was a better singer. And he probably could have done justice to these later era songs, but there's something about Dennis's voice, the fact that he is less polished, that to me just makes it sound more real. It certainly makes him sound more vulnerable when he sings. There are times when he'd, you know, say something in the song and just it just cut you more than just a typical song. He's the essential ingredient for I Can't Get Next to You. power chords, no horn section, just fairly simple instrumentation and those voices, untouched by technology except for run through a microphone and a board. There was no trickery. So I Can't Get Next to You, that was another song written by Whitfield and Strong, produced by Whitfield, and years later I remember Al Green did a nice cover of it. I can make it rain 
when I wanted to. Oh, I can build a castle from a single grain of sand. Yeah. You see, I can make a ship sail on dry land, children. Yeah. So these songs were from the Puzzle People album. Let me stop and say that the Temptations break my rule of full album listens to get the best experience because they have albums of varying qualities and they're kind of schizophrenic at times as far as the types of songs that they put together uh psychedelic shack might be one you could listen to all the way through and get something out of it but if you pick the right compilation or compilations you'll get what you're looking for the one I think is the best was called Psychedelic Soul, and it really is the soundtrack of this podcast. If you listen to the podcast, I hope you also to the notes that I accompany to the podcast, which has credits for the songs and sometimes some other information, but definitely enough that if you hear something on the show, you can use that as a reference to try to find the song or the album I talk about. So the next album was Psychedelic. It was all in. You know, now you're in it. You get some seven and eight minute long songs, less singing, and a lot more music. And Norman Whitfield held full creative control. He was getting a lot of press for the records, and the Temptations weren't happy about that. Reputation 
A quick note here about the music. At Motown, there was a group of musicians who played all the music that you heard in, on those classic records. All of it. That means the bass player that you're hearing through most all of this is James Jamerson. James Jamerson died at 47, but left behind some of the greatest bass riffs you'll ever hear. From very, very simple to very complex, he could play it all. There's a documentary called Standing in the Shadows of Motown that features the Funk Brothers. There's a lot of good stories in there. What if I told you one man played on more number one hits than the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and the Beach Boys combined? And that man used one bass guitar to record all of those legendary hits. We're talking about James Jamerson. And like I said, I think Psychedelic Shack's a pretty good record. There's some trippy moments. They released Ball of Confusion, and it had pretty much the same team and the same roles. That was a rarity with them. Then we released Sky's the Limit in 71. That has an interesting song called Smiling Faces sometimes. It has 12 minutes. only four tracks per side where we were used to seeing several more tracks on the old records. The real gem on this record kind of came out of the blue. It's called Just My Imagination. It's not psychedelic soul at all. It sounds like old classic. Could have fit right in with those early singles. And I think it was so out of step in its own beautiful way that it made people stand up and pay attention and kind of reminded them, oh yeah, those temptations still have that. Tell you in 
But on this, Eddie Kendricks, this was his last song, his last album with the band. He had felt that the group had abandoned its fan base for critical acclaim, and he took Paul Williams with him, who was not doing so well. Paul was another singer from the early days, a crucial voice in the band, but he had drinking problems. He had alcohol problems. He, he was very tempted by what was on the road, and it hurt him. Uh, he would later commit suicide. crucial albums that came out was 72. I think there's only seven or eight songs on it, and it was called All Directions. It features one of the greatest songs ever written, which was Papa Was a Rolling Stone. There are several different stories, but the general one is that when they went in to record that song, Otis Williams, who was the de facto leader of the group, he was really wanting ballads. And then when he saw that the song was going to be as long as it is, and it was going to have these giant spaces where there were no vocals, and that it was kind of a negative song, all of that bothered him a lot. And Dennis Edwards was really bothered because of the first line of the song, which says, I think it says it was the 3rd of September, a day I'll always remember, because that was the day that my daddy died. And apparently that was the day his daddy died. And his daddy was not at all like the character that's going to be in the song. So he didn't want it to sound like, I'm singing some autobiographical song about my horrible dad, because that wasn't the case with him. But eventually he worked it out, and that is one of the most plaintive just, oh man, it's just a dark record, but beautiful at the same time. I think this is like one of those songs that you would put in a rocket to send into space. If they want to know something about people, that doesn't represent everybody in America, but that is a story that touches people.
Shelly, that's why I read that. What am I reading? The 3rd of September. What about it? Norman's got that man dying the same day my daddy died. Norman, yeah. what's this? It was the 3rd of September crap. Just a lyric. What, what you got a problem with? I think you know my problem with it. Hmm. That was the day my daddy died. Hey, mama, is it true what you say that Papa never worked a day? In his life. And mama, some bad talk going around town saying that Papa had three outside children and another wife. And that ain't right. Heard some talk about Papa doing some storefront preaching, talking about saving souls and all the time leeching. Dealing in that and stealing in the name of the Lord. Mama just hung her head and said,
and then Masterpiece came out in 73, and that was one where you do need to listen to the whole thing, but Masterpiece is pretty damn good. It hit number one on Billboard Singles Chart. I lived in a place they called the inner city. Getting ahead was strictly a no-no, because nobody cares what happens to the folks that live in the ghetto. Thousands of lives wasting away, people living from day to day. It's a challenge just staying alive, because in the ghetto, The album 1990 came out and that really was the end it was the end for a lot of things it was the last of albums that would touch on the psychedelic weirder parts of music at all and then motown moved to la the funk brothers were let go this was to be the last norman whitfield album with the temptations and so this chapter ends with the temptations in los angeles changing the plot line again but without all the youth the naivety, the, the hunger, and the creativity that they had used previously to turn things around. You know, now they were wealthy, and now they were in the sunshine state. They weren't at the base of what was really feeding their muse. They lost their producer, and just in general, the whole thing changed. It was probably like the feeling of some uh, upper state New York people retiring to Florida. You're just going to be different after that. So then there's like a really weird, messy period for the next few years. You see, when Dennis took over the group right after they fired Ruffin, there were a few times where Ruffin would bum rush the stage, take the mic, and do his song, you know, as it came up. And the audiences always loved it, and the band always hated it. So now you have your two most popular singers, Eddie Kendrick and David Ruffin, and they've joined teams. They've joined together. They, um eventually get it so there are two sets of temptations out there touring at some point even dennis left and joined the other temptations but it was during this period that david ruffin died of drug overdose another odd side chapter to this is that uh david ruffin and eddie kendrick would hook up with hall and oats and do shows and do the moves and stuff and it was embarrassing to me that's not the temptations. That's a fucking joke. And I've always hated hollow notes. You gotta smile so bright. You know you're gonna be the candle. I'm holding you so tight. 
and it seemed like in the middle of the 80s doing this stuff that it was kind of Vegasy. I didn't like it very much. But fortunately, I've gotten to go back and rediscover all this stuff through the years. And the thing is that these songs that we talk about are timeless. They're never going to go away. And I highly recommend that you dig into them if you haven't already. You've got good taste of them here on the show. And they're one of my favorite bands. They're my favorite band on Motown, which is saying a lot. And... I'm so thankful that they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Dennis. That was crucial. So they got that one right. Well, my children, it's very, very late. You should all be going to bed. Everybody take daddy for granted. Just listen to the radio. Everything's mama, dear mama. I always love my mama. Mama, mama, mama. What's the daddy song? Papa was a rolling star. This has been produced by Donnie Shattuck. That does sound tempting. Hate to let you down, old friend, but I don't want us to come to the temptations. My girl. My girl. Ah, the temptations. When it's cold, I'll